Welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Friday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are flashing this thing back to 2006. The Dolphins shut the Patriots out 21-0 in week 14 of that season. We're going to talk to former Dolphins receiver Marty Booker about that game. We're going to get Seth and OJ here on the podcast from the Fish Tank to talk about that game as well and Marty Booker. And we'll go ahead and get you the latest on the injuries for Dolphins and Patriots Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium. All of that and more on this Friday, December the 18th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins Hey Dolphins fans, the new year starts now at AutoNation. Let's skip the rest of 2020 and get to big new year savings on your favorite AutoNation Chevys, Fords, Toyotas, Hondas, and a whole bunch more. Shop safely at the AutoNation store near you or AutoNation.com and save now. Before we get to Marty Booker here in just one second, let's go ahead and get the latest on Dolphins and Patriots injury report here on this Friday for Sunday's game at Hard Rock Stadium. One o'clock kickoff, a big, big game here in the AFC East. As wide receivers Devontae Parker and Jakeem Grant as well as tight end Mike Gesicki will all be questionable for the game on Sunday. For the rest of the Dolphins Patriots injury report, go ahead and check out MiamiDolphins.com. Our top news article has the latest on Dolphins and Patriots. And joining me now on the Drive Time Podcast is former Dolphins wide receiver Marty Booker. Marty, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Real pleasure. Yeah, I, I told you before we started recording the podcast here that I, I heard you on the fish tank. It must have been about a year ago, but now they're in the Dolphins network as well as Drive Time as well. So figured had to get you on here and talk about... Some of this, you know, I always call it my golden era as a Dolphins fan, not necessarily because of the wins and losses, but because I grew up in that late 90s, early 2000s stretch where you and Chris and Randy McMichael and all these guys were were featured prominently. But before we get into that, Marty, I'd like to ask my guest here on the podcast, what have you been up to in your post-playing career? How's how's life for Marty Booker in 2020? Uh, I I can't complain. You know, I've been... uh fortunate enough to, to be able to stick around here and, and continue to live here and enjoy this Florida weather. Um, you know, I just been, uh, been able to work with, uh, Kevin Burnett up over at, uh, MacArthur high school and coaching receivers and everything. It's, it was a trying year this year, just because of the whole COVID situation and everything. And, and plus at the time they didn't know if they were going to have, we were going to have any games at, at all. And all of a sudden they decided to, you know, uh, to let some teams have games. And the good thing about us, we only had four games. Uh, so we, they was considering four games and maybe two bowl games uh, after that or whatever. But, you know, after going through the season and, and, and having the disastrous season that we had, um, we decided not to do the bowl games. Of course, we went 0-4. Um, but we had a lot of freshmen and sophomores and, and the thing I learned about Florida and, and, and how it is now is that, uh, there's no County line and kids are able to go to and transfer and go to any school that they want. So 
it's 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 kind of like college. You have to get out there and re- recruit guys and try to get some of their best before other teams get them and, and jump on them. So we were left without a lot of uh, uh, good guys and stuff. So uh, we had to make do with what we had. And like I said, we had a lot of freshmen and sophomores. So we were able to to take them out there and, and let them get that experience. Of unfortunately, you know our probably our average defeat was like 30 points, but, you know, at least the kids got some experience at that and they were able to enjoy. So that's pretty much what I've been doing and just trying to instill my time into teaching these kids and, and trying to spread the little knowledge that I did gain as playing to them. There's a couple of things you mentioned that I want to ask about because one, the, the South Florida weather being a Pacific Northwest person myself it's amazing. I left my apartment this morning yeah. to go for a jog it, in December, you know, in shorts and a t-shirt. It was amazing. Is that what kept yeah, you in exactly. South Florida? Like, is that the driving force to keep you here? Of course. Uh, I grew up in Louisiana, so I got some of the, the good weather and, and, and it gets cold. It's not, it's not as snowy. It is nothing like the Pacific Northwest, of course, but I do get a chance to see the seasons. And that's what I enjoyed about there. But here, like you said, you know, you you get sunshine year round. And what we had a cold spell what last week, yeah. and where everybody's bringing out the big coats, and it was only <laughs> like 60, 60, 60 degrees during the day, and it maybe got a low of forty degrees or something like that, and everybody's freezing, you know. And then I I look at that and I think about what would you gonna stay in Chicago, where it's brutally cold uh you're dealing with the snow you're driving in the snow and i and i've done that for years and i wasn't wasn't trying to do that at all <laughs> no my my friends will send me snapchats of of back home and it's like gray and the the leaves are all off the trees i'm like i'm i'm good here i'll, I'll just go ahead and stay here forever man <laughs> exactly <laughs> forget It'll that be something towards a vacation wise to go back and 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 to see it long as you're there for a few days or whatever but then you have to come back Yes. I think I might go check on my Seattle Mariners like in, in May when the weather's perfect up there. So maybe that'll be the time where I, I get out of the South Florida heat and go back to the nice summer weather yeah. up in the Northwest. But, um, you there know, you, you also go. mentioned the, the coaches, the, the former Dolphins coaches. I had no idea that you and Kevin Burnett were both coaching together. That's that's awesome, man, because we talk about, uh, you know, Pat Sertan's squad and Channing talks about getting mm-hmm. out there and Jason Taylor's out there. It's like, man, yeah. what a better place to, to develop this young football talent in South Florida because all you guys are out there coaching. Like, what got you into that? Uh, just, you know, after a while, you, you it's, it's kind of hard to kind of stay away from it, especially when you continuously sit here and you enjoy the sport and you continuously sit here to watch it and watch it and you watch it. And it's like the, the juices and the bugs start to, to gear up and stuff. And, and you know, you, you got to think. Playing for years in the NFL, just if you take it back to high school, you then you go to college and then you go to the pros and you spend so many years and you're learning and developing so much in this game that you have so much knowledge. And then after a while, you know, you you want to get yourself back out there and just to get that feel of being around uh, the whole football atmosphere. Um, you know, like I said, you have so much knowledge to spread to these kids and and they're willing to sit there and eat it and soak it up. I'm, I'm willing to uh, to spread out there to them as much as I can. You know, um, 
like I said, so much talent down here. Yeah. Like you said, so many coaches. You got Pat over there uh, coaching Heritage. With uh, he has a Ronde Gasson on his uh, squad, on his uh, coaching staff. You got uh, uh, St. Thomas, where JT is the defensive coordinator, and and guys just kind of spreading themselves around and trying to do stuff. And as athletes, you know, we kind of always, if if you enjoy it and you loved it. Of course, you want to always kind of be around it. Um, then, especially, you know, you got guys who have kids too, and they want to be out there with their kids and coaching their kids. So, you know, for us to get back out there and 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 do that, it's it's a joy. It, it, it's fun to talk about too. I mean, high school football. It's I, I love it. I can't get enough of Friday night lights. Yeah, it's it's the best. A doubt. And, you know, speaking of alumni here, we've had plenty of, of teammates of yours on the podcast in the past, plenty of guys prior to your playing days, you know, that were on the podcast as well. But one of the most memorable guests I get every single every single year or every single, you know, time he comes on is Channing Crowder. And, and we've got to talk about this 2006 shutout victory over the Patriots here eventually. But I'm going to give you a little... Let's call it a clapback opportunity because Channing <laughs> came here on the podcast, man, and that the 2005 wow. season opening win over the Broncos, you had a 60-yard touchdown reception running away from the entire Denver secondary. So I asked Channing about that play because, you know, it was the first game of the season, the South Florida just sweat box that it is down here in yeah, that time of year. They, yeah. He he credited the, the Miami humidity for those yards after catch for you. He, he, he talked about it. <laughs> but I want to give you a chance to respond to Channing about your speed. Like, take take the floor, man. You know what? I've always had that that issue with everybody just discrediting my my speed. <laughs> everybody do not believe that I can run. They always say, "Oh, he's a possession receiver. Oh, he can't. Everything he does is inside." It's funny that that even mention that is the simple fact that I just received like a it's like a little small little um, highlight thing from the NFL. And most of the highlights on there is me on the outside catching deep balls. Yes. So I'm able to, but I don't have speed, but you see me running past guys and jumping over guys and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I always, not to bicker about it or anything, I, I always just like, you know what, I just let my speed do the talking and they just underestimate me. So, and then there was another time when I went back to um, Chicago and I was able to have a big run and outrun the defense and the same thing. Oh, he's, where did this speed come from? It's like, you know, I, I've always had this. So it's, it's, it's all fun and games, but, um, you know, I, I have stuff and I have proof to back all that stuff up. And I, I do remember that game. It was, it was incredible because they came here and, I think the whole team was just about in the in their locker room getting IVs and stuff. I know Champ went down, yep. uh, Lindy Walls, their other cornerback. It was so many guys going down having to get IVs just because it was so hot. And that was the good thing about us. We could use that to our advantage. And that day we did. But Channing, I have some, some crazy stuff about that dude. I don't know if I can say it on the podcast, <laughs> but he – hey – Man, the stuff that kid used to do that I would always <laughs> catch him doing and always be like, look at him and like, come on, guy, what you doing? And it was all always fun and games with him, man. He's a, he's a character within itself. I'm, I'm going to text uh, Seth and OJ and tell them to get you and Channing on the pod together on the fish tank. That's, that's a little more fish tank realm, I think. 
So we'll go ahead and just save that for another day. But let's go ahead and, and talk about this game here. You you had mentioned um, you know that that heat and the IVs for the Broncos players in that 05 opener, but in this 06 Patriots game, you know you guys enter at five and seven. The Patriots are kind of in what they had become familiar territory for them. They're nine and three, and you guys picked them off with a convincing 21-0 shutout victory. I'm curious, Marty. We talk about the September heat, but maybe it's similar in December. What is it about these December Dolphins Patriots games in Miami that always seem to come right down to the wire? Well, like you said, the humidity and the heat is it's a big adjustment. I and I learned that earlier when I first got down back down here too when I got traded, is that your body and that your blood thickens up when you're in that cold and once you get down here it it you know, you it's hard for you to breathe and hard for you to adjust. I don't care what time of year it is, even if it's in the sixties or whatever, it's still gonna affect you. So uh that helps most dramatically for it for any of us going into that that time of the year or whatever the Patriots like you said that's our all-time game especially coming down here because we always want to see when they're going to be able to come down here and, and see if we're going to be able to go there before it starts to get cold and you know sometimes it always worked out where unfortunately we had to go up there when it was cold and they would come down here when it was hot instead of, you know, vice versa when, you know, the temperature would, were kind of tapering off a little bit. But, you know, that's the good thing about I love about being in Florida because, you know, no one can come down here no matter what time of year and, and take that heat. And and like you said, the Patriots were 9-3 and three at the time. And, and to to do what we did, 21 to nothing, I think I had – I'm not familiar – I'm not sure about exact catches or – yards and stuff but I do remember the touchdown and everything and Jason and and the defense wreaking havoc on uh um Tom Brady I think getting sacks and a couple of forced fumbles and stuff so that I know that helped us out a lot I've got some stats right here for you because I was going to ask you next you had a big day eight catches 103 yards and the touchdown and you know I was I was kind of trying to figure out where I wanted to go with with that production of yours and I think what I want to know the most is what is it about that Patriots defense that was, you know, for years, regardless of the personnel, they would they would send guys out and, and bring new guys in, and they always found production. But from a receiver's perspective, what was challenging about finding soft spots in their zone or beating their man coverage or trying to find a way to just get production on that Bill Belichick defense in this game, like 21 points uh, from your offense? Just taking what they give you. Man, the Patriots, they their defense usually speaks for itself. They're very disciplined in it. And their whole key is they would mess up. And the minute you mess up, they jump on you and they capitalize on you. So going to any of the games with the Patriots, we were always do not mess up. Stay disciplined. Do not turn the ball over to them. Because once they turn the ball, you give them any kind of extra opportunities or motivation, they're going to jump on it and probably put you away. So um, as far as their defense, it was more of just long as we could just kind of maintain and pick our little pieces here and there we knew after a while it will start to open up uh you know you have to look at them because they always kept a good pass rush they're all their front four their front seven always coming no matter what and once you're able to you know block them up and 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 move them around then you would have success and the good thing about that day we had some success on both sides of the ball 
And you mentioned playing turnover-free football. That's what happened in this game. Your offense didn't turn the ball over with quarterback Joey Harrington at the controls. And, you know, you guys had seen a few quarterbacks that year. And in your four-year stint with the Dolphins, you actually played with nine quarterbacks. I was just curious, how challenging was that to go through (laughs) so many quarterbacks? And and what did Joey do that season? I think the only season he actually played here for the Dolphins on the field. What did he do to kind of give you guys some offensive success down the back half of that 06 season? We did have uh, a, a lot of success, especially when Joey came in. Uh, man, just to touch on whew, all the different quarterbacks, <laughs> I, I tell guys all the time. I, I'm like, be grateful that, you know, for guys who are able to just play with one guy, a one good quarterback, be grateful for that. You know, because there were many times, even if you go back to my Chicago days, there was probably double-digit quarterbacks there, too, and going through that. And you would go through the week and, and not know what quarterback you were going to get. So you just had to adjust. And to say the, the the career that I was able to have and with and and to make do with what I had, I'm, I'm gracious and proud of what I was able to accomplish and everything. Uh, you know, that year – you know, we we started to get on a win streak towards the end there, and we had some pretty good games. I think uh, going into Thanksgiving, uh, also uh, with Joey, you know, having a good game, and uh, I think we ended up trying to get ourselves back into it. And I think we ended up losing last second to Jacksonville and kind of hurt us uh, some chances there. But for the most part, you know, Joey came in and and and. He got on a tear and he was playing pretty good football. He was playing mistake-free football for us and giving us an opportunity to to, to make plays. You know, I think uh, at the time, Sammy Morris was was doing really good at running back and helping us out there too. So we were getting things going for us, um, the run game and the passing game that allowed us to have some success. Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the game in Detroit because I, you had a long touchdown catch in that one. Again, back to your speed, you ran away from the entire secondary. On, I want to say it was like a little over route, maybe a drag route where you caught a short pass <laughs> and, and took it the rest of the way. And uh, they, they did a whole exactly. feature on Joey that day, you know, about the piano man. He's back in Detroit and he's 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 taking it to his old team, the team that drafted him originally. So that was, that was a cool little, you know, detour for that season. But back to this game, he found you on a 32-yard touchdown strike and on the radio call, Joe Rose loses his mind. It's, it's fun to listen to. <laughs> he's shouting. He goes, how the heck did he catch that? So I got to ask you, if you recall yeah. that play, a contested ball in the end zone with Harrington rolling to his right, how the heck did you catch that? I think uh, the initial play was I was going on a deep over route. Uh, I think he was rolling to his left. I can't really, but I kind of remember going over across the field on an over route. And I I might've been like the last read. And, you know, once I kind of got over and kind of popped up over there, the safety was on the other side. And it was one of those balls that, if he didn't throw it like he was supposed to, or he kind of lobbed it up there, it, it could have gotten an interception. Uh, it could have been an interception, but, uh, you know, he threw it on a dime and, and he put it right there. And, and me and the defensive back, I think the safety kind of got there at the same time and I was able to catch it. And, you know, just being the, the Patriots and the whole excitement of the game and how it was going, I, you know, I, I always 
you know, get in the end zone and I may do a little thing here and there and, and just the excitement of it all kind of took over and I did a little two-step here and there and <laughs> I think I might have threw the ball high in the air and just the whole just excitement of it just took over. It was a big touchdown. I put you guys up 13-0 late in the third quarter. And and Marty, I talked about, you know, growing up kind of with those Dolphins teams of your era. And I was on Dolphins message boards for as long as I can remember. And people always had custom avatars, which would show up when they posted whatever they wrote about. And, you know, you could choose yeah. a player. Per- certain people would, would edit the avatar, turn them into a GIF. And there was one with you doing like that celebration where you kind of, your arms would come in and out. And I always loved seeing that. It always reminded me, there's 86 <laughs> of my end right there doing his thing. So I'm glad you mentioned the touchdown celebrations because they were, they were always fun to watch. But, um, you know, you, yeah. we, we, yeah. we, we talk about the offense in this game, but the defense, like you had mentioned too, came to play. You turn them over three times, you get five sacks. And of course, Jason Taylor, as he seemingly always did, got one on Brady. What do you remember most about playing with Jason Taylor and that 2006 defensive player of the year season he had where he just sacks, interceptions, touchdowns? Like, is there a moment from that season that stands out the most from him or just a collection? What was special about JT's 06 season? Man, everything. Because it was it was consistently happening every week with him. You know, uh, he has always been known as a beast coming out that edge and with speed and getting to the quarterback, but man, it's just, it just seemed like everything was kind of falling his way. If, if it was like he would knock the ball down or get a sack, the ball would pop right back up to him and he was able to take it in for a touchdown or he would rush the passer and all of a sudden the quarterback would try to throw it and he just anticipated and jump up there and just snag it out of the air and would take it in. His, that whole season, man, for him was just memorable. And I, and I just remember going back to Chicago and that was big for me. And that year, they were undefeated at the time. They were having these high hopes of going to the Super Bowl and all of that stuff. And then, you know, we were when we were still trying to find ourselves at that time. And to go in there and and score a touchdown, and then him kind of seal the game with his little interception and I think it was an interception or a fumble recovery for a touchdown or whatever maybe and for him to go in there and do that I I knew from right then is he's gonna lock this up the way he's playing and he keeps playing like that no doubt that was one of my favorite games to ever watch. I actually had that Bears game on a VHS tape, and I probably watched it 12 or 15 <laughs> times. Like, I think I think Chambers had a big touchdown. I want to say you scored in that game. Did you score in that game? I scored. I think Wes scored. Yeah. I, I think Chris scored, too. I think we all got a chance there to score go. in that game. So <laughs> it the was, it was a, We were able to, to have some fun and put up some points on there. And, it, and especially for me, after getting traded and going back up there, it was – that was the – Icing on the cake for me. Yeah, that was, that was fun to watch that that team play. You had a bunch of big names. The The record maybe didn't match up with the talent, but it was still a fun season to watch. I want to give you one more topic here to talk about before we get you out of here because Seth and OJ are going to come on. They come on the Friday podcast with me, Marty, and talk about okay. the flashback game every single week. And before we say goodbye, I wanted to ask you, because I think you guys, if I recall correctly, you guys covered this on your appearance in the fish tank. What were some of those basketball backyard basketball games like in OJ's house back in the day? <laughs> There, man, it was, I'm talking about everybody and their family there. It was so <laughs> many people there, you know, and it was to the point to where when you finally get on the court, you had to win. Because if you lost, you were not getting back on there. Yeah, you because there was so many people waiting to play. I'm talking about all different 
from basketball players to football players being there. It was so crazy. But it was it was it was awesome though. You know, he had the court out, he had the lights and everything, and, and guys would be out there all hours of the night just playing basketball. It was awesome. Who who did your who would you compare your game to? Like what NBA player might we we, we refer to Marty Booker as on the hardwood? The funny thing you say that is that the simple fact is my first love was basketball. Yeah. I I I was always basketball guy basketball I was going to play basketball but then once I got in up in high school and and I didn't grow anymore and <laughs> I was a more of a and, and we didn't have a big team to where we had six four six five guys so I was the one had to kind of play down low because I was a bigger guy so I'm like barely six foot even playing against <laughs> big tall guys but I was able to bang with him and and, and and hang in there with him. So I always told my agent once I finished playing football that I was going to go overseas and play. But because my agent's a basketball uh, agent. So I, I after I finished playing, I was like, you know what? I'm done with all kind of sports. So <laughs> that never panned out. But, you know, basketball has always been my thing. I loved it. And, and I always would say my game was more of a – uh, Dwayne Wade, but a better maybe a, a better uh, high percentage three point shooter than he was. Shoot, so well, I I I can I can shoot it, but I was more of a control driving and taking it to the hoop and and also being able to do the things that he did on defense. So I always kind of compare myself to him. Well, hey, that's that's pretty great company down in these parts. I think uh, you know he's he's one of the legends with with Marino and Shula. He's kind of he's kind of on that Mount Rushmore of Miami sports stars. So yeah, not, oh, without a doubt, not a without bad a comparison doubt. there. But I think you made the right choice. Played a, a, a lengthy football career. You had eleven years in your career. You played four years with the Dolphins from 04 to 07. You caught just under two hundred balls for two thousand six hundred twenty-seven yards and eleven touchdowns. In the 11-year career, 539 catches for over 6,700 yards. Marty Booker, my guest today, thank you so much for your time today, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. So there he goes, Marty Booker. Pretty interesting stuff there from former Dolphins wide receiver. Let's go ahead and spin this thing from one former Dolphins wide receiver to another, along with his co-host on The Fish Tank and Seth and OJ. And joining me now on the Drive Time podcast, as we do on Fridays here on the Flashback Edition of Drive Time, that's right. It's crossover Friday. OJ Seth from the Fish Tank Podcast. What's up, fellas? Man, looks like I'm in the back seat again, man. Big Seth is back, Travis. Man, it's like I'm, you know, right in the back now, man. It's no, you good. always got shotgun juice. You know that, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as long as we're all chipping in for gas, we're good. It's all, it's that's all good. Right, that's right. That's <laughs> right. Wait Andy a minute. Up. Nobody Andy said up. that before we started this thing. I didn't. <laughs> I'm that guy who never brings his wallet juice. I'm that guy. <laughs> Well, I guess, I guess the car is going backwards again today. We're going back to 2006 to the 21 nothing shutout of the Patriots. And I talked about this in the current content for the week, how the Dolphins have five wins in the last seven games in Miami against the Patriots, and four of those came in December. And this one in 2006 came in December again, a 21 nothing blanking of the Patriots. And it starts with some scoring by place kicker Olindo Mare, who you guys just had on the Fish Tank podcast. And, you know, it's... Kickers are a very unique position in the NFL, and for a long time, you know, this team has always had Pete Stoyanovich, Alindo Mare, now Jason Sanders, but Alindo for a long time, Seth, and, and I guess whoever wants to take this, uh, he was 
he was one of the premier point scorers in the NFL for a long time, and he paired so well with that defense that was so dominant. Yeah, he really did. I, you know, uh, I'm a little hesitant here with my guy Juice here to talk about Lindo <laughs> being one of the biggest offensive weapons that we had, but um, there there were times, unfortunately, that you have to rely on your kicker to keep you in games. Like that's just the nature of the sport. And when when you do have to rely on your kicker, you want a guy like a Lindo Mari on your side. I imagine that's a maybe the the best way I could say it, Juice. <laughs> But Lindo, um, you know, he was great on our podcast and and uh, really an incredible success story. And like a lot of kickers, just kind of an un- unlikely um, path to the NFL. But uh, Lindo could put him up there and, and you know, big, strong leg and, and typically very reliable. Um, and so, you know, as you look at this game and obviously he only needed to make one to, to beat the Patriots on this day. But, but he, <laughs> he did uh, he did score seven points and. And, uh, you know, it was a great day for Lindo. Yeah, absolutely, man. Lindo, Lindo earned his street cred. You know, we talked about in our podcast about him being able to run and lift with the best of us and the wide receivers and stuff. He made a lot of big kicks. So, you know, he's one of those kickers that was included when you talk about team. You know, he wasn't excluded like a lot of kickers are. Yeah, I was going to ask you that, OJ, because I'm always – I mentioned it. I kind of stumbled off at the top of the podcast. I'm always fascinated by the dynamic of the kicker kind of blending into the rest of the team because they're just – it's just kind of a different world within the same profession. And, you know, nowadays I see, you know, Jason and Matt out there working out, you know, when we get the chance to watch practice and stuff or, or whatever it is, they're out there and they're, they're in great shape. Those guys are lifting and running and in, in, in great condition. But was it always like that? Like were kickers always in great shape or were they sometimes just show up and kick the football? Cause like, I'm thinking, you know, Sebastian Janikowski for my, my, uh, my era. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It, there, there were no kickers that, you know, we're in great shape back then, I don't think, you know. I mean, I remember the late, great Reggie Roby. He didn't look like he was in the best of shape. You know, Pete Stoyo, I know he wasn't in the best of shape. You know what I mean? It's kind of like what Tiger Woods did to golf, you know. Some of these, uh, you know, these guys start lifting and working and running a lot more. Same thing that guys like, uh, you know, like Lindo brought to the table too. So these guys now, man, they're in such great shape. And, uh, you know, one thing about being a return guy, you don't want to get popped by any of these guys anymore. Man. These dudes can actually tackle and, and they can run. They'll run you down. It's embarrassing. Yeah, and so he puts up the first six points of the game to, like you mentioned, Seth, he's the one that gets puts us in a position to win the game because the game for the rest. But the offense wasn't done there. And our guy, our guy Marty Booker, scored a 33-yard touchdown in this game, had a great celebration afterwards. He talked about it on the podcast, how it gave him a little two-step afterwards. But he, he talked a lot about this game and, and posting that touchdown and, and we talked about quarterback play maybe not being his favorite part of his entire career. And I recall you guys talking about that, Seth, back on your episode of the Fish Tank with Book, that his quarterbacks from his entire career maybe weren't the best. Yeah, well, they were plentiful, that's for sure. I mean, we, we went through the list, and, and it was, um, you know, the, it was kind of an extended podcast by the time we got through the list of quarterbacks. And, and, and what was really tough was as Marty was listening to those names, he uh, was almost like a PTSD situation. He was, you know, no disrespect to folks that are that are truly battling that, but he was really kind of um, falling into a, 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 some sadness there, Juice, as we were yeah. seeing. He was like, God, how did I survive this long in the league with that group of quarterbacks? But on this day, uh, it was Joey Harrington, and, uh, you know, Marty didn't have a ton. Well, I guess what do you have? He had over 100 yards, didn't yeah. he? So, you know, it was yeah. a big day for him. So I guess he forgot uh, all of uh, – the problems that he may have had beforehand and, and what might've come afterwards. And at least he racked up some stats that day and got in the end zone. 
and he did give some love to, to Joey Harrington for that game and for that season, talked about how he kind of heated up and, and provided the, the offense with a spark because you'll recall they started off that year with, with Dante Culpepper. He didn't last more than four games, I don't think. And then Joey came off the bench and they had that big win in Chicago, which he talked about was a big, right. big win for him. Yeah. But, you know, talking about Book and his time with the Dolphins, OJ, what did you see with, with his game that made him, you know, the, the producing receiver that he was despite the fact that he had a new quarterback every single year? For one, he had monster hands. Mm. I mean, his hands were unbelievable, man. He ran great routes, but anything in the area, he reminded me a lot of Big O, uh, Rondé Gaston. When the ball was in his area, man, he he plucked everything out of the air. With he had some hops, precision. didn't he? Just... Yeah, he had, he had major hops, you know what I mean? Um, and Book was just a competitor out there. You know, I loved having him on a team, and it, it's it's terrible sometimes when you go to a team and you can't find the right quarterback to connect with, a, with such a talented receiver. And Book went through that here. You know, would never complain about it, never, you never, never bitched him on about it, man. He went out there and did his job. Uh, so it got really frustrating at times, man. And it showed it on occasion, but Book was the ultimate professional, man. And it just, you know, like I said, it was just terrible that we couldn't find the right guy to keep the connection going with him on a consistent basis. I'm glad you mentioned the hops because we talked about the backyard OJ basketball games. And he said the basketball was his first love. He actually told me that he wanted to play in Europe overseas after his play after his football career was over. And I was like, what? I, I had no idea about that. That's pretty <laughs> and cool. And Marty stayed in great shape. He walked into the tank and I was kind of shocked. He said yeah. it was all smoke and mirrors, but he looked great. <laughs> the popcorn right. muscles like uh, Joey Portico or uh, yeah, Joey Porter calls him right. No, he, he mentioned uh, that he wanted to play. Then once the career came to an end, he was like, what the hell am I thinking? I, I'm not playing any more sports. I'm done, man. But, uh, one guy that, that wasn't done in this game was was Jason Taylor, Seth. And this guy, I mean, every single game he they played against the Patriots, he would get Brady. seemed like he would get a strip sack of some sort, and he got... It was actually Matt Castle in this game. They they brought Castle into the game late, and JT got a sack on Castle. So it wasn't the old JT-Brady rivalry, but I know that was a great one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when JT retired, I think he had more sacks against... He, he certainly sacked Brady more than any other quarterback he uh, had faced, but I, I think he might have had the most sacks against Brady at, at that time of, of his retirement. And, you know, he and Tom go way back to, to before they were even drafted. Um, they have an incredible relationship, and uh, he's always had the utmost respect for him. And, and how could you not, given the success that he had? But, you know, you look at this game, and you hold Tom Brady to 78 passing yards... I mean, that says, we just talked about the offense a lot, but that says a lot about the defense as a whole. Um, but this was this was a special year for Jason, of course, in 06. So, um, you know, every week there was a sack. There was a, the ball was going the other way. You know, he was forcing fumbles. He was putting points on the board. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of the seasons that helped get a gold jacket on his back. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That was so much fun to watch as a fan because it's so rare to see a defensive player be able to take over games like he did, and he would. I remember that Vikings game he had where he, I think he had a, a forced fumble that led to a return touchdown and a pick six in, the, like, in a couple of possessions back-to-back, like just winning the game for the team at the end there. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, guys. We had the, the JT, the, the, the eighth uh, charity poker event the other night, and Seth, you saw my face, man. I knocked him out of the tournament. I was, I had the biggest <laughs> smile on my face the entire night. I couldn't, I was just thinking about like where I'm at in my life. I'm out here knocking out Jason Taylor in a poker tournament. I just, uh, it was so cool. Like I really got starstruck and like a little bit of fanboy came out in me in that moment. So yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed that moment, Travis. And it was, you know, we appreciate you coming out and supporting the organization as well. How did that event end up for you? Oh, oh <laughs> I knew it was coming. There we go. I, well, we you know, you do run the event, so I'm sure there's some algorithms you can kind of play with and make, you know, makes things go your way. 
Hey, you saw every hand I played, Travis. A lot of them were taking some chips from your, your uh, side of the table to mine. But listen, you've had great success. I know you've only played in three tournaments. You've made two final tables. But of the three of us that are sitting on this podcast, two of us have championship trophies. Title, title town. That's how we do it in the town. We see Charles Barkley over there, Travis. For the first time on my own podcast, I, I'll shut up. I just, what, what can I say? The rings speak I love for it. themselves. I love it. <laughs> Hey, yeah. a great story. You know, you brought up the uh, you brought up the Minnesota game, and I don't know if you've ever heard this story, and Juice knows this story. But uh, you know, JT was having a tough time getting going in that game, and and you know, it was it was not a great season for the team, yeah. uh, and and wins were you know weren't happening at, at a rapid rate. But he was just trying to get himself going, and he and he got in his stance, and as they broke the huddle, he said, "I'm about to do something amazing." And then that's when uh, he read that screen and Brad Johnson threw that ball and he, and he had the pick six. And the referee turned to Zach and he said, did your boy just call his shot? And uh, so, you know, it was, uh, it was a hell of a year for him. Calling a shot on one of the most difficult plays to really secure. I mean, pick sixes, those don't happen very often. That's, that's pretty crazy. Let's see so, that position. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. De- defensive line kind of peeling back off the screen, you know, reaching up and, and plucking it. I mean, that's it's super rare, fun to watch. Um, let's go ahead and cl- put a close to this podcast. Before we do that, guys, I want to ask you, uh, you got one more podcast coming up in the fish tank, and it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I mean, we're really excited. Uh, you know, this week for the holidays, we're going to enjoy a little time off and, and maybe uh, give the gift of uh, – we're going to re-gift, Juice. We're going to re-gift right. some of our, our favorite podcasts that we've had all season. Talk about that throughout the week. But then heading into Buffalo, you know, there's a guy that, that our listeners have been begging for for two seasons, and there's no better way to put a cap on this season and to head into the Buffalo week than for Brian Cox to dive into the tank. Yes. So we're, we're excited to announce that right here on Drive Time, that Brian Cox will be diving in the tank on Tuesday the 29th. Yeah, we had a blast with B. Cox, man. It's my dude right there, man. And uh, we go way back. You know, he was drafted in 91. I was drafted in 93. And, uh, man, we had some some fun talking about some of those times, some of our cars, you know, some of the places they they went to hang out with, you know, when they were living, when they were down here. And, of course, the Buffalo games, man. It was was a blast having B. Cox in the tank. Oh, man, I can't wait for that. We had Richmond Webb back on week two for flashback, and he talked about B. Cox and that Buffalo. It was the the first time we did a podcast that wasn't about one game. It was about the entire 90s rivalry. Man, that was a great podcast. I can't wait to hear that one because – you know, the old the middle finger salute to the Buffalo fans, <laughs> all, everything. I can't wait to hear about all that stuff. He tells a phenomenal story about the middle finger oh. and how that was picked up by somebody you wouldn't expect. So we can't right. wait for <laughs> but not to give the cheap uh, podcast tease here, but we can't wait for folks to hear that. And I juice you and B. Cox with the dueling vehicles. That was uh, that was a good one as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We'll talk about those Corvette engines in our next podcast. (laughs) That, my friends, is what we call a tease in the business right there. (laughs) Seth, OJ from the Fish Tank Podcast. As always, my friends, it's it's a pleasure to do this. Last time we're going to do this here this season, I think, unless we come back in week 17. So appreciate your guys' help all season long. Uh, We'll see you soon. Thanks, brother. And so there they go. Another fun Friday flashback podcast here on Drive Time. If you guys haven't checked out the Fish Tank podcast, go ahead and do that. Also, the Audible here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. That's going to be my time today. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Subscribe, rate, review, MiamiDolphins.com. Plenty of content on the site, on the podcast network for you guys this week. And as always, we'll go ahead and recap the game on Sunday night, Dolphins and Patriots. Keep it locked here. Until next time, fins up.